listening to the podcast of Northside Assembly of God in Crowley, Louisiana. Luke chapter 2. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and lied him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. Heavenly Father, we pause and we welcome you to speak to us through the frailty of a human communicator, a flawed communicator. But Holy Spirit, you are the very expression of God's will and God's voice to us. We welcome you to speak. We welcome you to take what is foolish and make it wise. I pray, God, that you would uh, help us to see freshly a vision of your son. In Jesus' name, amen. The second verse of my favorite Christmas carol, Joy to the World, it goes like this. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods Rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. That's going to be the title of my sermon this morning. On the Sunday before Christmas, repeat the sounding joy. That's what I want to do today. I want to repeat the sounding joy. I want to tell the story again. But perhaps with God's help, Maybe I can tell the story in a way that might sound a little bit more like the first time you've heard it. I want to repeat the sounding joy. 400 years before Christ was born, history's greatest philosopher, a Greek named Plato, was trying to describe the problem that the human race finds itself in. He's trying to communicate 
the situation of the human race, the, the, the plight of humanity. And Plato said this, and I want to give you an image on the screen that's going to help you visualize this. He says, we're like prisoners chained in a deep cave lit only by dim torches. Just visualize that in your mind. I might have forgotten to put it on the computer. I don't want to make a scapegoat out of our computer guy. He said, we're like prisoners chained in a deep cave lit only by dim torches so that we exist in chains in darkness watching shadows on the wall that we confuse for reality. And what we need, Plato tells us, is someone to free us and lead us out of the dark into the day, out of the cave and into the light. And Plato's right. What we needed was somebody to come into our cave with us, to get into our cave, set us free from our chains, show us the way out of the cave, and lead us into the light. This is the allegory of the cave that Plato gave us to describe the human condition 400 years before Caesar Augustus decided it was time to take a census, setting into motion events that you and I remember every single December. Caesar Augustus, the same man who bore titles like Son of God, Prince of Peace, Lord of All, this is what they called him, all of a sudden the most powerful man on the planet, thoroughly pagan man, gets a sudden impulse in his mind. Hey, I think it's time to take a census. And so the decree came down from Rome that every person in the Roman Empire had to be registered for this census in order to pay a head tax. You had to pay to be alive in Caesar's world. And just so that nobody would be missed, here's how they did it, because those Romans were good at bureaucracy. They said every person has to return to the hometown of their ancient lineage. This is why a carpenter named Joseph and his betrothed wife Mary have to make the long journey south from little Nazareth up in northern Israel down to Bethlehem in Judea. Bethlehem was a little hilltop village. Just a few hundred people would have lived there not even a blip on the map, it would have been utterly inconsequential if it weren't for the fact that Israel's greatest king, King David, had been born there a thousand years earlier. And this is why Joseph and his betrothed wife Mary had to make the journey to Bethlehem because Joseph is in David's lineage. Now, interestingly, a few hundred years before this, the prophet Micah, said, you know what? One day, a king even greater than David is going to be born in Bethlehem. Here's how Micah wrote it. He said, oh, you Bethlehem of Epathra, you are not the least among the little villages of Judea, for out of you shall come a ruler who will not only shepherd the people of Israel, but he will become king over the nations. And his reign of peace shall extend from sea to shining sea. It's going to cover the earth. 
And then he said this. He said, and they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. In other words, under the reign of Christ, they won't need their weapons of war anymore. They're going to melt them down into farming tools. Now, later on, Isaiah would take that little line and he would hijack it and put it into one of his poems and make it famous. But it comes from Micah. There's going to be a great king born in Bethlehem. Here's how they would have heard that. They would have heard it the way you and I would hear, someday a baby's going to be born in a log cabin in Kentucky. We'd say, you mean, you mean like uh, Abraham Lincoln? That's how they would have heard this. Someday a baby's going to be born in Bethlehem and become great. Now, of course, it would have never happened. It, it, Jesus would have never been born in Bethlehem. He would have been born in Nazareth if it weren't for Caesar Augustus of all people to say, huh, I think we ought to take a census. Everybody needs to return to the town of their ancient roots. And so they went. Now, Mary, at this time, I like the way the King James puts it. She was great with child. She was nine months pregnant. But when they finally make it down to Bethlehem, there's no room for them. See, you see, there's too many travelers. I, I, I guarantee you there probably weren't many times in the history of humanity that more people were moving across the globe at the same time as this time. People are all traveling. And so Bethlehem swarmed with travelers. There's no room for them, no place for them to stay. And so Joseph, being the resourceful man that he was, He's able to find shelter. I can't call it lodging. He finds shelter for him and his betrothed where they kept the livestock. And they kept the livestock not in a wooden barn. No, 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 no. I, I don't want to ruin your nativity scene on your mantle, but it's wrong. They didn't have wooden barns like we do. Instead, they would have kept the livestock in what would have been plentiful in Judea. They kept the livestock in caves. So Joseph and his betrothed wife Mary find shelter in a cave with the livestock, with the animals, with the feeding troughs, with lots of interesting smells and sounds. Yes, the baby Jesus was born in a cave for a humanity that Plato said is chained in a dark cave, frightened, watching shadows on the wall. And this baby born in this cave is the one who's come into our cave to set us free, show us the way out of the cave, and lead us into the light. Now, east of town, in the rugged hills around Bethlehem, there were some shepherds keeping watch over their flocks at night. This was menial work. To be a shepherd, that's not something that a little kid would, to, would aspire to become. Nobody would say, I want to grow up to become a shepherd. Being a shepherd, that's just what you ended up with. It was grunt work. But then again, King David, a thousand years earlier, got his start as a shepherd in Bethlehem. So you never know what great things might happen amongst shepherds in Bethlehem. 
And they're out there in the fields. I don't know what they're doing. It's lonely. It's quiet. They're under the stars. They're watching for predators. And suddenly, I mean, how, how could it happen otherwise? Suddenly, you can't expect this. You can't anticipate it. Suddenly, an angel shows up. An angel appears. And the angel says what angels always seem to say in the Bible. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Because this is what heaven has to say to earth. Fear not. And the angel goes on and he says, I've got good news of great joy for you. For unto you is born this day. Now, as soon as the angel says those words, for unto you is born this day, as soon as he says that, or she, whoever the angel was, as soon as the angel, I believe it's Gabriel, says, for unto you is born this day, it should have called into mind the ancient prophecy from Isaiah six, seven hundred years earlier. It, the, the, the prophet Isaiah writes these words, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. So the angel tells him, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Messiah, Christ, Savior, King, the Savior, King, Christ, the Lord. And the angel says, I'm going to give you this sign. You're going to find a baby. Well, nothing unusual about that. There would have been plenty of babies in Bethlehem at this time. He says, you're going to find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. Not unusual either. This is how you take care of babies. You wrap them up in swaddling clothes. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. That's the sign right there. You and I never use the word manger un until it gets to about Christmas season. So a lot of people don't even know really what a manger was. A manger was nothing more than a stone feeding trough for animals, for livestock. This is where you put your animal feed, you put your water, and your livestock, your cows, your camels, your donkeys, and whatever else you got, that's what they eat out of. That's what a manger is. And the angel says, you're going to find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in an animal's feeding trough. So the shepherds know that when we go into Bethlehem, we're not going to look for this baby amongst the homes and the inns of Bethlehem. We're going to find this baby somewhere in one of those caves. And all of a sudden, there's a whole choir of angels. And they begin singing, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill among men. See, this good news of great joy is that the world's true king has been born in our cave. He's come into our cave where we sit chained, frightened, in darkness, watching shadows on the wall. And this king, this baby's the one who's going to set us free from those chains, show us the way out of the cave, and lead us into the light. How many of you believe this to be true? Because what we think oftentimes is reality is nothing more than shadows on the wall. Am I talking about television? Maybe so. Am I talking about 24-hour news? Maybe so. Shadows on the wall. 
that we confuse for reality. And what we often think is life is nothing more than imprisonment in a dark cave. And what we needed, we, we needed, we didn't need God to just stand outside the cave and call out to us and say, free yourselves and come out of the cave. We needed somebody to come down into the cave with us, set us free from those chains, and lead us into the light out of the cave. That's who this baby in Bethlehem is. Jesus is the world's true Savior King who sets humanity free from the chains that bind us and shows us the way out of the cave and leads us into the light. And Christmas especially is that time of year where Christians are called to repeat the sounding joy and tell the story again that the Savior King born in the cave is the one who will lead us out of the cave of fear. Because you see, that's mostly what the cave is. The cave is mostly just fear that swallows us up on every side. And we can't find our way out. We're chained to fear. And the shadows that we watch on the wall every night, though mostly false, are terrifying. I don't know about you. This year, I have felt so much fear palpable in our culture. That's the word for the year for me. It's always been there, but this year it's come to the surface. We live in a culture of fear from, from all kinds of angles. People are afraid. I see it in people's eyes. I hear it in their voices. You can call it fear of COVID. You can call it your fear of people's fear of COVID. But it's fear. Political fear, the upheaval, the transition, the social unrest. It's been a year of fear. And I see it in Christians. We're chained to fear. So the angel comes to us once again on Sunday morning before Christmas at Northside Assembly and says, fear not, my people. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm telling you the truth. I really believe this is what heaven has to say to earth right now. Some of you just within the dimension of your own personal life, you're being haunted by fear right now. And I got a word from heaven for you. I've got a, I've got a word of prophecy for you. Are you ready? Thus saith the Lord, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm going to be your angel today. Don't be afraid. See, because fear is what puts us in the cave. And fear is what keeps us in the cave. It's a cave of fear. We're afraid. What are we afraid of? All kinds of things. We're afraid of God, some of us. We're afraid that God's angry at us. God's vengeful towards us. He has it out to get us, and here we are. We're in his hands, and who knows what ill might befall us. You understand, I, I talk to people. Just in the last couple months, I've talked to real people who actually are afraid of God. I'm not talking about a healthy fear, which is really reverence. I'm talking about they're actually scared of God. They're scared of God's intentions towards them. I talk to people like this, some of you. And the devil comes along and reinforces it. Yes, you better be afraid of God. He, he's, he doesn't have your, your best intentions at heart. He's against you. He's seen your life. He's watched your past, and, and he, he wants to see you pay for what you've done. He's got a grudge against you, and who knows when God may just break out against you and harm you. We're afraid of God. We're afraid of one another. Again, I don't think that's become any more clear than in 2020. 
We're a culture where we fear one another. It's us versus them. Us versus, that's the story of human history. Us and them. We're us, they're them. And we're afraid of them and they're afraid of us. And we're convinced we better get them before they get us. They're convinced they need to get us before we get them. And pretty soon the whole world's burning. The whole world's on fire. But it's all the product of fear. And so the angel comes to us once again and says, my people, fear not. Don't be afraid. Because a great king has been born in your cave. And he and he alone is the one who has the capacity to break the chains of fear that bind the human race and drive it into destruction. He's the one who looses us from those chains and shows humanity the way out of the cave into the light of God's salvation and truth and love. And what is our task? As believers, our task is to believe this and to repeat the sounding joy. Christmas is that time of year especially. I think we ought to call our kids together We ought to call our grandkids together and tell them, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Just as you go through life, don't be afraid. And then we tell them the Christmas story. And we say, because of this, because God is Emmanuel, God with us, he's not against us. In fact, he's not just against us. He's for us. In fact, he's not just for us. He's with us. He's God with us. He came to this earth through the person of Jesus Christ. He's with us and he's for us. Therefore, don't be afraid. No matter what happens, personally, culturally, no matter what happens, don't be afraid. Now watch this. Jesus was born in our cave not just to be king of the cave, but he came to be the king who leads us out of the cave. This is what separates Jesus from every tyrant and every dictator who has ever lived. Whether you talk about Pharaoh, Alexander, Caesar Augustus, fill in the blanks. Every one of them, they were kings in the cave. And they actually ran through the system of fear. They were the great one in the cave. And everybody else was sitting there in chains and darkness, frightened, watching shadows on the wall. But Jesus does not reign like that. In other words, Jesus doesn't come to be king of the system we already have. Jesus comes to be king over a whole new system. Jesus doesn't come into our cave to stay there and to reign there. He comes into our cave and he says, now let me loose you. Let me free you from these chains. Come on. This is the way. Why don't you follow me? I know the way out of the cave. I know the way. This is not reality. Where you are right now, this this is not what you're called to. This is not what you're designed for. You think that this is real, meaningful life. You're not even close. There's a whole world up there that you cannot even imagine. But you got to follow me. Come on. I'm going to show you the way out of this cave into the light. And Jesus leads us by inviting us, welcoming us, beckoning us to follow him. But Jesus will not force you to leave the cave. He won't coerce you to leave the cave. You want to stay there, you can stay there. And see, again, this is what separates Jesus from these other rulers and dictators. Every one of these other guys, Alexander, Caesar, Augustus, they ruled through force, they ruled through coercion, but the kingdom of God does not come through coercion. Instead, Jesus invites us into a new way of being human, a new way of life, a new way of relating to humankind. It's the way of peace. Glory to God in the highest. 
and on earth, peace and goodwill among men. See, it's not just an empty cliche. We hear that and we think, ah, it's just what you say during Christmas. And that's only because we've been sitting in the cave too long, chained in fear, watching shadows on the wall. Peace on earth, goodwill among men. In other words, under the reign of Christ, we don't have to have a predatory posture towards one another. Instead, we can have a benevolent posture towards one another. Because the world's true king is not a predator. He's not a wolf. He's not a bear. He's not a leopard. He's a lamb. A lamb's in charge of this thing. And we're called to follow him in the ways of the lamb. Therefore, there's no need to hate. There's no need to fight. There's no need to be afraid. See, when we look at humankind through the lens of fear and competition and us versus them, that's the way back into the cave. And the world's true savior king is the one who gives us a whole new lens, the lens of love and goodwill. And if Christmas isn't about that, it's not about anything. When we learn to look through the lens, to look at the world through the lens of love and goodwill, it ends the system of fear. It just evaporates, poof. You're like, that's just illusion. That's just shadows on the wall. I left that cave a long time ago when I decided to follow Jesus. So let's repeat the sounding joy this Christmas. We have five days before Christmas. Christmas is on Friday. Five days before Christmas. You can do almost anything for five days. For the next five days, I'm going to call you to rejoice. And if you can do it for five days, you can do it for the rest of your life. I'm calling for you to, to give witness to the world's true king by choosing to rejoice. Look at me. Rejoice and fear not. Rejoice and fret not. Rejoice and fight not. Those three things, remember, Fear, fret, worry, fight. How many of you will say, you know what, for the next five days, I'm going to choose to repeat the sounding joy. I'm going to rest and rejoice. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to get on Facebook and get into fights. Come on, I'm preaching the gospel here this morning. See, if we can learn to do this, when we get into the presence of our heavenly king, the heavenly born prince of peace. Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Colossians, we'll get to that in a few months. If we, if we will get into the presence of Jesus on a daily basis and absorb and imbibe his character, his peace into our lives, and if we will learn to become a carrier of that peace and goodwill among humankind, I'm going to tell you the truth. There will be people who will willingly follow you out of the cave. And you don't have to berate them. You don't have to yell at them. Come on, you secular knucklehead. Jesus is the reason for the season, idiot. You won't need to do that. We can just learn to go through life conveying peace and goodwill among humankind, fueled by the beautiful presence of Christ. We can learn to do that. People will willingly follow us out of the cave. Not everybody, but those whose hearts are open will. So listen to me. 
No more Christmas wars. It doesn't do any good. Say, you know what? I just want to be a conveyor of peace and goodwill amongst humankind. And if the cashier at Walmart, when I'm checking out, tells me happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas, I'm not going to look at that person through the lens of us versus them. Wait, did they say Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays? I need to know if they're on our side. You, you understand? That's like the worst thing you can do with Christmas. It really is. Christmas is not about you finding something new to fight about. Come on, that might be the best line of the sermon right there. Christmas is not about you finding something new to fight about. Christmas is glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace and goodwill among men. Because the world's true king has been born into our cave. He's going to set us free and lead us out. And by the way, at the end of his life, they tried to put him back into that cave, didn't they? In fact, they did put him back in the cave, but he only stayed for three days. But that's the story of Easter. We'll get to that in due time. Today's the day to tell the story of Christmas. And the story of Christmas is the story of a king born in a cave who leads us out. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To learn more about Northside Assembly of God, check out our website at www.northsidecrowley.com.